Welcome to the Black Sparrow Media Internet Broadcast Network. You're listening to Linux in the Ham Shack. LHS is a podcast about Linux, open source and amateur radio for everyone. Now here are your hosts, Russ, K5TUX, Cheryl, W5MOO, and Bill, NE4RD. Well, hello everybody and welcome. You have tuned in to episode number 260 of Linux in the Ham Shack. And it's a wonderful Monday night where it's not snowing in southwest Missouri. So, I guess we should get rolling with things. I'm Russ, K5TUX. I'm Cheryl, W5MOO. And I'm Bill, NE4RD. All right. Bill, who's already broken up. Broken up, yeah. Oh, no. That's okay. Oh, no. I'm sure it's me. You know, you know. well, I don't know. Well, it kicked me off the Wi-Fi. That usually fixes something. No, no, no. It's... It's just our crappy network, but we'll get through it. Bill's recording his <laughs> side, so you'll you'll just have to send me your side, Bill. So, no, oh, no, okay. Oh, like, no, oh now I, you're recording. Oh, crap. Recording. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm recording. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> okay, you probably were. All right. So anyway, this is episode number two sixty, and it is our short format episode. So we've got some amateur radio stories to do, some open source stories, and a story or two that combine both of those things. In interesting ways. So, since Bill always wants to promote the K2BSA and take over the lead topic on these shows, I guess we'll go <laughs> ahead and let him uh, do that. It's like it's the only thing you do, Bill. You smoke cigars and you're involved in the Boy Scouts. <laughs> I'm not sure you actually have time for anything else. Uh, that's that's about it, really. Uh, <laughs> and I'm sad. This story actually came out after I said I didn't have anything for Amateur Radio Newsline. So this is a scoop. <laughs> Ooh, we're scooping Amateur Radio Newsline. That's a first, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This will probably make it in the next one because I didn't get it there. But anyway, the uh, Jota 2018 North America report is published. Ten thousand seven hundred three scouts, four thousand and five visitors. And 266 stations make up the participants in the U.S. stations that submitted a report following the 2018 Jamboree on the Air event. Some of the comments on the weekend were struggles with the HF band conditions. And in some cases, some issues had uh, some issues with the contest stations were there with the uh, I think that's the worked all Germany uh, (laughs) contest that was going on. Uh, so if you had propagation and you could hear Germany, they, uh, they might have been part of the, uh, issue on the HF bands. But I hear all the, uh, all the, uh, digital stuff, uh, the D-Star, uh, Echolink and everything else was in, in wide use, uh, across, uh, most of the areas. Uh, we did have a great, uh, station report from K4L at Camp Lonoche in, uh, Paisley, Florida. They reported that, uh, this was their first official Joda Jody at our camp in over a decade. We have a sold-out weekend of 1,800 Cub Scouts for a Cub Halloween and Fall Festival. We set up our new 60-foot tower. That's pretty awesome. And used everything under the sun, HF, VHF, UHF, D-Star, DMR, and Fusion. With five hams and five to ten helpers throughout the day, we managed to get everything through our two little pop-up tents. So congratulations to them and that report you can find in detail on the K2BSA site. All right, very good. So we've had our full dose of the Boy Scouts of America for today. And in the next couple of weeks. So anyway, Poor Bill. yeah. 
<laughs> Bill has no life. That's okay. All right. So moving on, let's talk about some real image radio topics like a uh, notice of unlicensed operating from the FCC reminds us of part 15 rules. There's a part 15. I guess there is. Uh, the FCC Enforcement Bureau on November 7th issued a notice of unlicensed operation. Oh, no. Uh, to technician <laughs> licensee. Wait a minute. If he's a licensee, how is he doing unlicensed operation? I guess we'll find out. Uh, Daryl Thomas, KE6MWS of Carmichael, California, for allegedly operating on unlicensed FM radio station. Interesting. Uh, part 15 rules say. Unlicensed broadcasts on the FM broadcast band 88 to 108 megahertz are limited to a field strength of 250 microvolts per meter at a distance of three meters from the antenna. This is roughly equivalent to 0.01 microwatts. Emissions must be kept within the 88.0 to 108.0 megahertz band under part 15 rules. So I'm guessing he was operating at more than 0.01 microwatts. <laughs> yeah, you know, if you put any uh, effort into designing your antenna for those uh little portable FM broadcast uh, units that you, you know, might even have for your for your house or for your car, right? You can plug in a little FM dongle into your radio and in the input uh or whatever so you can transmit to the FM radio on your radio or something like that. Um those are all within the compliance rules. Um, but they also don't work much further than the distance of uh, you know, your head unit and uh, and the little transmitter. Um, but apparently he must've had some kind of antenna that was uh, putting out quite a, quite a signal from his house running a little pirate uh, FM radio station. So, uh, I don't think he was fined, but he was, uh, definitely sent a cease and desist on that. <laughs> a sternly worded letter. <laughs> a sternly worded letter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's not a lot of power for sure. So, uh, yeah, yeah. I would assume if you actually put like a, you know, half wave antenna up, you would be screwed. <laughs> yeah. We used to have one of those little FM transmitters that we used to use all the time to broadcast our, like our uh, iPods onto the FM band. And, yeah, so uh, you can hear it in the car. Yeah, right? exactly. <laughs> Before like the aux jack was a thing. Uh, yeah. yeah. But, and they worked like terribly. They were, they were awful. They didn't do anything. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> you literally got interference between the transmitter and the head unit in your car in your car. <laughs> well, yeah. You know, it's like if you waved your hand in front of it, the signal would go down. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, very true. So, yeah, apparently, uh, apparently, he, this could be heard for a little bit of a distance. I'm assuming. So, yeah, yeah, certainly more than three meters. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyway, uh, are you at a point where you can read a story? Sure. All right. Well, talk about a hole in the sun. <laughs> a hole in the sun. Sort sort of. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah, so our next story is a long-lasting hole in the sun's atmosphere. It's back. A hole in the sun's atmosphere that opened in June is turning to face our Earth for the sixth time. NASA's, wow. NASA? NASA's Solar Dynamics Observatory <laughs> photographed the structure, which stretches for more than 700,000 kilometers across the sun's equator. This is a coronal hole, a place where the sun's magnetic field opens up and allows solar wind to escape. An emerging solar storm, or excuse me, emerging stream of solar wind is expected to reach Earth on November 30th or December 1st. The last time solar wind from this hole lashed Earth's magnetic field on November 4th. It sparked a G1 class geomagnetic storm with auroras photographed in northern tier U.S. states, including Wyoming, Montana, Iowa, Washington, North Dakota, and of course, Alaska. Similar displays may be in the offing this weekend. 
Apparently, we're getting crapped on by the effluvia from the sun's coronal <laughs> hole. <laughs> so, but that can that can also open up the possibility for enhanced auroral propagation. So, uh, be on the lookout for this one and and get on your uh, your six meters and just point the antenna north. <laughs> All right, there you go. I guess I'm going to have to build a six meter antenna at some point, maybe. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, oh, that came oh. from Space Weather, by the way. We haven't cited our sources here. Um, the last story was AWRL. That one was Space Weather. And Bill is now going to read a story about a satellite that comes from, yeah. of all places, AMSAT. Of course, AMSAT. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Fox 1 Cliff launch is scheduled for the 28th of November at 1832 UTC. SpaceX has announced that the uh, SSO. Dash A, small sat express mission is scheduled for launch on November 28, 2018. The SSOA mission will carry several amateur radio satellites, including AMSAT's Fox One Cliff, uh, Fun Cube on ESEO, uh, the JY1 SAT, and the K2 SAT, and the Exceed SAT. And since the story was highlighting the Fox One Cliff, I just uh, grabbed the details real quick, quick on that one. And that one has an uplink of, uh, of uh, 70 centimeters, uh, 435.300 FM voice. And also has a 1.2 gig uh, FM voice input uh, at 1267.30. And then the downlink is on two meters, 145.92. And apparently also has some AFSK digital data up to 9600 baud EPS. Yeah, bits per yeah. second baud. Yep. <laughs> so that should be available. Transmit power is 600 milliwatts nominal. Uh, that story came to us from AMSAT, and of course, you can look up the other satellites and get their information from uh, probably AMSAT. Probably has them listed as well, um, but uh, definitely you can just uh, you know search them up. But uh, yeah, yeah, more birds in the air would be good. And I assume they will show up in the Satnox database before too long. Yeah, yeah. Well, it should be anyway. That's what the whole purpose of that is. So yeah, I'm I'm assuming as soon as they're up and starting to transmit through telemetry and stuff like that, we should start to see some captures over there. All right, very good. New satellites to play with uh, on two different frequency uplinks. That's nice. All right, so moving from amateur radio into the open source world, our first story is open source software is used to steal Bitcoin. Ooh, ah. (laughs) A a hacker or hackers sneaked a backdoor into a widely used open source code library. The malicious code was inserted in two stages into event-stream. The backdoor came to light last Tuesday with a report from GitHub user Ayrton Sparling. Officials with the NPM, the open source project manager that hosted EventStream, didn't issue an advisory until today. That's today, Monday, uh, six days later. NPM officials said the malicious code was designed to target people using a Bitcoin wallet developed by Copay, a company that incorporated EventStream into its app. Uh, the ability for malicious code to make its way into a code library used by so many applications and then escape notice for weeks shows that these NPM measures, while useful, are by no means sufficient. Time has come for maintainers and users of open source software to deviate, uh, to deviate, to devise uh, new measures to better police the millions of packages being deployed. That came from Ars Technica. I've never used Copay uh, as a Bitcoin wallet, but I have used Bitcoin. I read a whole bunch of stories today about Bitcoin and digital currency, and they're all talking about the fact that um, Bitcoin and all the other digital currencies are basically going to flatline. They're expecting the entire pretty much digital currency industry to collapse. So that will be interesting. (laughs) Cash out now. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's the prediction, though. 
so I'm interested. And as a disclaimer, we do not provide any financial advice or yeah, exactly. <laughs> absolutely. We're just we're just telling you what other people are saying. People who know more than we do about digital currency. Yeah, please talk to your financial professional <laughs> <laughs> on making any financial decisions. Yes, please do that. And also, don't invest in Bitcoin. Um, this is not an advertisement for not investing in Bitcoin. You know, the thing is, I know somebody that just invested heavily in Bitcoin. Well, you know, they might want to yeah. consult a financial advisor. They, uh, they <laughs> probably should have before they did it. But yeah, if you wanted to invest in Bitcoin, you should have done it a year and a half ago. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And I've already sold. And I've already <laughs> sold, yes, and, and living comfortably on the income from that sale. Uh, yeah, Bitcoin is now at $3,700, yes. so it's uh, falling. It was over 8000 at some point, I believe. Wow. So It was really high at some point. It was like 16000 at some point. Yeah. Yep. So anyway, if you're trying to get out, you're too late. Anyway, so let's uh, move on to some other stuff. Um, let's see. I put this story in here, but I just read the last one. So... Uh, Cheryl, do you want to do a lot of reading? <laughs> no, not necessarily. Okay, Bill, here you go. <laughs> <laughs> That's up to me. Yep. Awesome Raspberry Pi projects. If you're looking to dust off your Raspberry Pi or to buy a new one and attempt to tackle an interesting project, here are some options. Spotify speaker. One of the best features offered by Spotify is the ability to remotely play music via compatible devices. If you have a great speaker system, which is not outfitted with any new connectivity technologies, you can use your Raspberry Pi as a gateway for Spotify Connect. An open source, uh, open source LibreSpot library named uh, Raz Spotify allows you to implement Spotify Connect functionality on your Raspberry Pi. Uh, Google Home. This project can be accomplished thanks to uh, the publicly available availability of the Google Assistant SDK, which you can implement on your Pi board. Setting up your Pi as a Google Home requires a USB microphone, speaker, internet connection, and access to Google Developer Project through the company's cloud portal. While this is a more complex project, it can still easily be completed with minimal developer knowledge. Uh, Wi-Fi router is the uh, last one here. If your home Wi-Fi connection is stretched a bit thin and you don't have any spare range extenders, your Raspberry Pi can fill the gap. Users will, users will need to follow a step-by-step -step guide on how to set up the correct traffic routing settings on their Raspberry Pi. These projects can be completed using the standard Raspbian distribution. This story came to us from My Broadband South Africa. Yeah, I thought this was interesting. A couple of neat projects you might be able to use a Raspberry Pi for if you've got one sitting around in your house and need some of this functionality. And this story actually has links to the deeper information about all of the different projects and where you can get the how-tos and the step-by-step -step guides for doing any one of those implementations. So uh, some fun things to do with your Raspberry Pi if you've got some time and inclination. All right, this one you can do, Cheryl. This one's nice and short uh, once you catch up to where we're at. <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> that, that's okay. Um, fedora, the Fedora yeah, one. Yeah, I'm trying to. Oh, oh I see you're getting to it. Gotcha. <laughs> trying to scan through the list, so. <laughs> Our next story is Fedora 31 likely delayed or canceled. Following the release of Fedora 30 in May, there might not be another major Fedora Linux release for as long as a year due to planned extensive restructuring. The key Fedora pro uh, project developers, leaders, managers are in favor of skipping the Fedora 31 release cycle and leaving Fedora 30 in place longer while time is invested and in working out changes around testing and tooling. The end goal is to make Fedora a more reliable operating system and reducing manual efforts in producing it while increasing transparency. Some of the current Fedora release challenges are outlined on a Fedora wiki page, 
And there's also a mailing list discussion on the plan change. And the source of that was Foronics. And there's also a link, or will be links in the show notes, to the wiki and the mailing list if you want to get detailed information about what's going on with the future of the next release of Fedora. So if you're running Fedora 30, you're probably going to be running it for a while. So there you go. Fedora is not rolling, right? It, it doesn't roll. Um, they're quite aggressive with the updates. I know mine has been getting kernel updates quite uh, rapidly, and I'm on Fedora 29 here. Okay, so there you go. So how uh, so have you uh, entertained upgrading to Fedora 30? Uh, well, if it comes out, it'll it'll uh, I'll go to it. I mean, well, 30 29. 30 is already out apparently. Out. It's 31. No, it's no 30 is not coming out until May. Oh, oh, I got you. All right. I, I read it as last May, not this May. <laughs> yeah, uh, 29 was just released, uh, uh, I think last month or maybe it was the end of September came out. And uh, yeah, my, I upgraded and it was yeah no big deal. It was pretty quick and painless. All right. Very cool. Let us then move on to Linux in the ham shack. And unfortunately, the news in this area was a bit thin this week. But that's okay. <laughs> a little thin. <laughs> <laughs> but that's okay. We uh, I think we've covered it with other stuff, but. Bill did find one story relating to using Linux in the ham shack, so let's hear about it. Yeah, and I, I got picked this story because it was kind of related to uh, the story about the the Part 15 uh, non-compliance. Uh, I ran across this project. It's uh, the FM RDS transmitter using uh, the Raspberry Pi. And I say here, you may want to test your Part 15 compliance after you play with this project. Uh, this project, uh, this program generates an FM modulation with RDS, that's the radio data system data, generated in real time. It can include monophonic or stereophonic audio. Pi FM ADV modulates the PLLC instead of the clock divider for better signal purity, which means that the signal is also less noisy. This has a great impact on the stereo and its reception is way better. And uh, this is a project you can do with your Raspberry Pi, and it comes out, the signal comes out on the GPIO pins, I believe. I was kind of digging into the project, and I ran <laughs> I ran into several other projects kind of related to this as well, and it just makes me more interested in kind of, you know, picking up a Raspberry Pi, because I, I don't have one, and I, I wouldn't mind trying to hack with it a little bit using some of these kind of already built programs and just trying to see how they how they work. Yeah, so the radio frequency signal is emitted on GPIO uh, 4, which is uh, pin 7 on header P1. So uh, you have a Raspberry Pi, then you know all about that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, there's a, a, this is like the second release similar to this with a bunch of, uh, bunch of interesting uh, tooling on it. And this is released under the GNU GPL version 3. So uh, it's been around for a while, it looks like. So it comes off the GPIO as FM modulation. So how do you demodulate it? I'm assuming with a radio that you can listen to. It actually uses the GPIO pin as an antenna. Is that what I'm? <laughs> I'm assuming you uh, would connect some some kind of wire to it. <laughs> <laughs> but it definitely says the radio frequency signal is emitted on uh, the GPIO four. Then it hmm. generates the FM transmission on 87.6 megahertz uh, with a default station name. Uh, radio text and PI code without uh, audio. Right. Um, so you would want to you would want to connect uh, something with like a jumper header and a wire to the GPIO pin one that was somehow close to resonant on that frequency. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, this although is, I imagine the output is very small as far as uh, power wattage. 
Yeah. And they do mention that in most countries, transmitting radio waves without a state issued license specific to the transmission modalities. I was trying to make a different word out of it. Is illegal. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, and so we know it's, yeah, we know it's illegal if it's over 0.01. What was that? Yeah. So they say you should, uh, okay. So yeah, that you should always connect a shielded transmission line to, uh, from the Raspberry Pi directly to a radio receiver. So you can go directly into the input of a receiver for, uh, for the testing of this. Like a line level input or, uh, like the antenna connector? I, I'm assuming straight into the antenna connector. So it will do. Yeah. Okay. Right. That, that makes more sense. Okay. And he said he tested it using his, uh, Sony, uh, ICC 20 RDS alarm clock. From 1995, <laughs> <A> <laughs> Samsung Galaxy 2 S S2 uh, mobile phone, and a bunch of other little things here. So uh, yeah, it looks looks kind of interesting. You could probably use a little SDR dongle too if you want to play with it. Yeah, I imagine you could pick it up from an inch away. <laughs> uh, all right, very cool. More Raspberry Pi stuff. And the thing is, you you had that story independent of the one I found about Raspberry Pi stuff too. I didn't realize we were talking all about Raspberry Pis today, but that's that's kind of cool. Yeah, we brought them both together. That's really cool. I know. Yeah, <laughs> we came full circle, like independently of each other and without foreknowledge. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah, I was gonna I was gonna bring some of the other stories in here, but uh, I, well, I guess we'll save those for another time. Well, unless you got one, you can queue up real quick. I was looking for it and I can't find it. I think it was the <laughs> DR. Oh, I saw it right there. My DRA eighty eight one eight. Let's see if that was it. Miniature US. Oh no, this was this was different. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's all right. We can we can get it for next time. Yeah, these were hats that I guess have been available for a little while for uh, VHF and UHF. I thought these were looked pretty cool from uh, SV one AFN. He offers a uh, DRA-818 VHF and a UHF mini transceiver modules for uh, snapping into your uh, snapping into your uh, your Raspberry Pi and they're they're rather cheap actually 28 uh, 75 euros. Oh yeah, that's that's really reasonable. Maybe just drop the link into the etherpad and I'll make sure that that information gets out there. We can talk about it more on the next episode. It's in there. <laughs> All right, I see it. It's there. All right, so that information will be published when this episode comes out, like real soon now. But with that, we have kind of exhausted our, our light news week for this week. So we're down to the social media roundup, and that means that Cheryl has to stop doing whatever she's doing. Yeah, I lost, I lost everything. <laughs> All right, you're back. All right, you got to speak up. Yes, I know. I know. All right. All so. Sorry, I was mumbling myself. So. So this week for the social media roundup, we have in our Patreons list, Doug Rudder, Stephen Harp, Andy Webster, Cubicle Nate, Darren King, Donald Gover, John Spriggs, Jonas Rulo, Paul Griffith, Robert Pitts, Samuel Vines, Steve Metcalf, Steve Saner, and William Heckelman. In our subscriptions list, we have Kevin Ivey, Bill Collins, Tony Coberly, James Lewis, Jeff Zimmerman, Steve Hepler, Michael Jopling, Steve Nichols, Todd Bowers, Thor Wiegman, Charlie Brown, Wayne Carpenter, Bill Piotr, Darren King, Dylan Angle, Alan Wilson, John Clark, Robert Halliday, Brian Smith, Johnny Kinsey, Ronald Ike, Robert Yerke, Michael Connolly, and Jeremy Hall. On Facebook, we had Eleftherios Cosmos. Sorry if I butchered that. Uh, for Google Plus, we had Ed Durant. Del Dreamy, Thor Wiegman, and W4UC School. For Twitter, we had Fabric CIO, uh, One Week, Two. I'm guessing that might be right. 
uh, KW4XR, at My Help Desk L, at Big Daddy Joe, at Mall Pasun, at Linux Kernel, K R N L, and at Mao Burgos. YouTube, we had Rich KC4GFW, Mark F. On our mailing list, we had Pat N5VMO, Steve Witt, and Mike H. And Peter, excuse me, Peter Caffrey purchased something from our store. All right, very cool. And let's see, I was going to say something about, oh, um, we are up to $40 per month in our Patreon donations, which is really cool. So Yay. that helps keep the show running, obviously. And I was thinking that if we could get some more people to subscribe to Patreon, either people like moving off of PayPal over to Patreon or just people signing up on Patreon, both of which are great. Uh, if we got to a point where we were over $50 a month, I might just like do a giveaway or something. So, yeah. So let's try and get the Patreon over 50. I would like to encourage anyone who's subscribing through the PayPal, you know, uh, monthly subscription thing to convert over to Patreon if you're able to do that. Um, kind of aggregating all of those funds together is useful and helpful. Um, and if we start getting the Patreon numbers up and getting people off of uh, PayPal or just getting more paid subscribers, we'll definitely do a giveaway of some kind. Something good. It won't be, it won't be like a sticker, although we may throw in a sticker, but it'll be something good. So uh, if you're able to help us out by donating financially to the show, our, our uh, minimum subscription through Patreon is $2 a month. And uh, even your 14-year-old kids should be able to handle that. <laughs> so <laughs> well, I don't know. I was pretty broke as a 14-year-old kid. Well, give your, give your 14-year-old kid $2 a month and have them send it to us. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> All right. Anyway, enough about that. Uh, that is it for our short format show. Uh, episode number 260 and we will be back in a few days with our weekender edition where we tell you about a couple of weeks worth of stuff that's coming up some fun things to try uh, and some food and alcohol that might be worthy of your attention so until then we will say adieu for now from linux in the ham shack i'm russ k5tux i'm cheryl w5moo and i'm bill any 4rd 73 Thank you for listening to this episode of Linux in the Hamshack. LHS is a community-sponsored podcast. Our website is located at lhspodcast.info. You can support the program by visiting the LHS Patreon page of patreon.com stroke lhspodcast or using the contribute link on the website. Get in touch via social media. The show has a presence on Google+, Facebook, Twitter, Discord and YouTube. Or you can drop an email to info at lhspodcast.info or record a voicemail at 1-909-LHS-SHOW. That's 1-909-547-7469. Visit the IRC channel, LHS Podcast, on the Freenode IRC network. Also visit the online merchandise store at shop.lhspodcast.info for fun and fashionable LHS merchandise. Become an ambassador and represent LHS at a Linux convention or ham fest. Email ambassadors at lhspodcast.info or visit the website for details. 
the podcast is recorded live every Monday night at 8 o'clock p.m. Central Time. Connect to the stream at stream.blacksparrowmedia.net colon 8008 stroke LHS live. Until next time, over and out. in the ham shack and the linux in the ham shack logo are released under a creative commons attribute non-commercial no derivatives 4.0 international license